welcome to City of Parramatta Libraries Parapods. I'm Catherine and I am here with my young colleague, Nissa. Hello. Nissa, so look, today um, we are looking at a pithy subject, uh, media companies and the Me Too movement. And two books in particular that we've been really sort of getting our teeth into are, uh, she said, the book of by two investigative journalists, Jody Cantor and Megan Tui. So that that was my book, and this is so I understand you read Ronan um, Farrow's book. Farrow's yeah. book, sorry, yeah. And um, so we really want to discuss, you know, exactly what happened. Now they're both Pulitzer Prize-winning books, um, but I mean, so maybe you can sort of. You know, just go through the, you the know, books, yeah, the books that we are going to discuss today. Absolutely, yeah. So the very first book we're going to look at, as you said, is uh, you're going to be talking about the book she said, breaking the sexual harassment story that helped ignite a movement by Jodie Cantor and Megan Tuohy, and that was published by Bloomsbury in September 2019. Um, so the book. The journalists, they published a report in 2017 for which the New York Times was awarded the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for Public Service and the book uh, that you're going to be talking about is based on that report. Five days after that report, Ronan Farrow uh, published um, a, well, about the same topic and that report gave birth to his book called Catch and Kill, Lies, Spies, and a Conspiracy to Protect Predators by Ron Farrow, published by Fleet, which is an imprint of Little Brown Books, which is itself part of the Hache Group. Uh, and that was published in October 2019, so right on the heels of uh, the two other journalists. He published his report and he also published his book. So those are the two books we're going to be talking about. I think coincidentally, we just happened to be reading those books and then realised that maybe they're connected. And then we found out they're actually a lot more connected than we thought they were going to be. So that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine, I'll let you start. Uh, she said, oh, what thanks, do you think? Nessa. Hey, look, now this is a great read. Um, now this book has been described as the um, all the president's men um, for the Me Too era. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a very celebrated book about Watergate some time ago and it was about the... Um, that particular scandal, political scandal. But this is slightly different because it's Me Too, the Me Too movement, which has really had a lot of political implications. I mean, you know, think the High Court judge in America and, I mean, not just America, um, you know, very powerful people. Um, we don't really sort of go into to, to mention too many names. Perhaps Trump might come up. Um, but in any event, look, Let's get on to this particular book. Um, now, the this sort of story um, kind of um, kind of bursts upon the scene when there's been rumours for a really long time in Hollywood that very powerful producers or producer has um, you know basically been um, well a predator for a very long time. So it was an open secret. But, you know, what happened, you know, really was there was um, a blog by Rose McGowan, there was accusations by, you know, some actually quite famous actors, I think Ashley Judd, um, in her biography, wrote about an incident that occurred with Harvey Weinstein, or 
Weinstein. In any event, you know, it was an open secret. And the these two journalists were very courageous and quite brilliant women. They talked about um, really um, together how, you know, it was a bit of a, um, a seed of a story. They kind of got together, New York uh, Times journalists, and talked about how they could, um, you know, get some real solid um, evidence of what was happening here. You know, why, you know, why were there so many people like lawyers and media companies trying to shut down this whole story? Um, so it really reads like a thriller in many ways. And so that's a really, there's a lot of detail. Um, there's a lot of courageous women. And, you know, many famous people sort of didn't really want to go on record you know, obviously for various reasons. I mean, people like Angelina Jolie, Gwyneth Paltrow uh, contributed, though, and that was actually a really good thing. But really the courageous women who did go on record were the unknown or uh, not famous dark people. So, so ba basically these two journalists, you know, gather all this evidence through, you know, various means. Um, they confront the Weinstein organisation and Harvey in particular, and of course he denies it. And then he sets all the all the people that he employs, you know, the the media companies and the lawyers and the full force, you know, the full brunt of his power is brought to bear on onto these two journalists, um, and they stand up to it, and they um, they call him out. Yeah. How, how personal is the book in terms of when they're talking about? Um, what happened? Are there like a lot of personal touches in the book or how, how do you feel like the style is and like the content in terms of like shedding the light on their lives? Um, well, you know, as I said, it, um, it really um, goes into a lot of detail about the investigative, investigative style. So the two journalists try to talk to people within the organisation. So it, it does read like a political thriller in a lot of ways. Uh -huh. um, you get, um, you know, um, first-hand accounts, first-person accounts of, you know, um, stories that occurred um, that can be... And then there's various stories that can be verified and can't be verified, what's on the record, what's off the record. And then the painstaking you know, writing of this article, then, uh, you know, confronting the Weinstein organisation and Harvey in particular, and then uh, like basically, you know, um, calling his bluff. Mm. And, and, and it's quite a sort of, um, you know, it's sort of it, this, this format of the book is that builds to this climax uh, towards the end of the book when... Harvey Weinstein actually had there's a conference call he with his people and the the journalists and they say to him we're going to publish this article and do you want to go on record and say something and astonishingly he comes out with quite an astounding observation and that is that he is going to step back step out of the company and take some time out so he doesn't actually apologize or admit anything, by but by default, he does. So the two journalists, like it's a really triumphant moment, and the, the book cleverly builds to that. Uh -huh. And you know, so really, he's tacitly admitting that you know he has a um, there's 
a cause to answer. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm interested when two people write a book, can you, like, does it sound like it has, like, different tones coming through or different, like, a different voices coming through or, um, like, can you tell or? Yeah, I know what you mean. This, uh, oh, but this book is quite seamless, really. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the, it's sort of, a, they use third person to, dis- to describe, you know, um, the events and, you know, how they're, sort of, you know, building up their case, uh, then, you know, um, it, it sort of goes through in, in a stylistic way. I'd say it's like the classical um, political thriller. And actually, because I have read all the President's Men and that was very many years ago, but it is actually very similar in format. Ah. So, you know, you have this personal story. Well, I mean, you don't sort of look into the lives of the, the two journalists in their personal lives, but you really get to know what they do, where they go to track down these people they want to speak to, like the actual conversations they have with the um, the um, the people that really need to come out and go on record. So it's you know, quite a thrilling read. I thoroughly enjoyed it. There's a lot of detail. Um, you know, I think uh, it it it's not it's not uh, onerous to get through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a real pleasure to read. Yeah. So um, so tell me about your book. Nisa. Yeah. So. The books are connected because um, I, when I was reading the book, uh, Ronan Farrow's book, he does mention the other two journalists that you're talking about um, quite a bit, um, and how you know, uh, for example, when they wrote the when they wrote the their their report came out, he was aware that they were working on it, of course, um, and he was sort of uh, he felt happy that someone else was taking up the cause that he really strongly believed in, um, but he also felt quite competitive, and as he said. Um, uh, he indulged in a little bit of self-pity as well because after all this effort, if they, you know, got out, then his um, work would be sort of redundant. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it was the story of the decade. Yeah, it was, it was. And often these times, ha- like, it happens where, like, journalists are working on, um, you know, the same sort of thing, you know, in parallel. Anyway, um, so Ronan Farrow, okay, in his case, the tone of the book, not tone, sorry, I meant the sort of narrative structure is actually first-person and third person as well, so it's a mix of those alternating ones. Um, his story is a little bit more personal. It's not about him, and he's very careful in interviews as well to say, look, it's not about me, but you can't help but mention his background because, of course, Ronan Farrow is the child of Woody Allen and, well, allegedly, and media, uh, and sorry, <laughs> Mia Farrow, um, and he was something of a child prodigy because at 15 he got a BA, he got a Juris Doctor in his early 20s, he worked in government, he got a PhD last year, um, you know, he's in he's a lawyer, he's in journalism now, so he's a very smart, accomplished guy. Yeah, prodigious and talent. Very much so, yes, and I think I was reading one review after I read the book and they said, look, it's, it's interesting because he's sort of off that world and not off that world, so I think it gives him a really interesting perspective. Hmm. Um, Look, I found the book really accessible. Like, it's almost 400 pages, but the it's not dense the way, um, I mean, physically as well, because the uh, pages aren't covered in text. It sort of is one of those ones where, um, you know, it's the pages aren't densely packed. So it's actually, it's, it feels like less than it would be. It's not as onerous as you think it would be just looking at how many pages are in it. Um, the style is very accessible. I find his, yeah, so just the way he writes, it's, it seems very accessible. Um, there are personal touches in there. There's humour in there. Um, like he throughout, again, he tries not to make it about himself, but he has just enough touches for you to be invested in him. 
because um, when he was talking about like throughout this whole thing, he was communicating with his long distance partner, um, who is now his uh, fiance, and he he writes, I'm quoting here, I tried Jonathan, then tried him again. He was increasingly busy with work and I was increasingly needy and annoying. Um, and then he also says somewhere, I was losing it, actually starting to cry. Now, I don't usually see those touches when I hear, I don't know, when like men write, you don't get to see them often talking about crying or emotions. Oh, revealing their vulnerability. Exactly. And I find that quite interesting. Maybe it's something to do with being a younger male uh, because he's only, I think, 31 or in his very early 30s. Mm. So I liked how he was just – because it occurred to me as I was reading that that I'm used to seeing that about females but not as much when it comes to, like, male writers. So I actually – I like that personal That's touch. Inter- interesting. And also, you know, it's, it's really – there's no shame in, you know, being a young man who – um, can show vulnerability. Yeah, and it's, I love that. And it's nice to have that because it reminds you it's a human story. So, you know, it's not taking away from the actual focus itself, but it's enough there for you to be invested in him and the story and remember that this is something that's very present. It's not something that's happening over there. This is mm. this These issues potentially touch everyone. Yeah. Um, there was another funny thing. He was quoting his um, boyfriend. He goes, quote, I'm interesting, Jonathan said when I told him. I'm a very interesting person. I went to an escape room. I just thought that was hilarious. So, um, yeah, I think... That was in, probably to release a bit of tension. It was. <laughs> because, anyway, because there's there's a little bit of, a, um, you know, a little bit of personal news towards the end of the book, which is such a lovely touch. And I think by by talking about his relationship with his partner, that gets you invested enough to really appreciate when we get to that point. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that was a little bit of... Uh, what I liked over there, you know, the, the humour and a little bit of the personal touch. Um, but, yeah, the book is – a lot of it's about surveillance. It says in the, the subtitle, Lies, Spies and Conspiracy to Protect Predators, and it really comes across as a spy novel in some parts because mm. as he was doing this reporting, right, he was working for NBC at the time, and what happened was that he was an investigative reporter. He was putting together television uh, – investigative reports for television at NBC. He starts on this project – he has support initially, but when Harvey's name comes up and he's getting all this evidence, he's getting an audio recording, he's getting these interviews, he starts seeing roadblocks from people in power. And they're yeah, sort of that he gets yeah, shut down totally. He does. They NBC just doesn't want the story. They're not they don't say no, but there are roadblocks put in, or there's pauses, quote unquote. Um, so you have a lot of that happening. So eventually his obviously his um, his sources started getting skittish and it's really interesting to read this and see the process of how you sort of woo, I guess you can say, sources. Like you have to go back and forth and you have to, you know, uh, there's a lot of hand-holding there because some of them get skittish and you don't want that. You have to constantly reiterate that you believe in them. You will give their story um, every, um, you know, the, the fair treatment it deserves. But if you've got, you know, in the background your own, um, you know, bosses sort of uh, putting the roadblocks over there or saying you can't talk to the sources anymore – then that's a whole that's a whole issue um, because they've made such an effort to like bring these people out. So anyway, so that start, starts to happen, and you know, effectively he couldn't go ahead with the story anymore with them. So he takes it to the New Yorker, um, and the New Yorker, you know, they obviously do a lot of fact checking and all of that. But once they've done all of that, um, they release it, and then well then obviously it's 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 the events that happen happen from there um and that happened about five days after the um the 
the article by the two journalists you mentioned. And then NBC, of course, go back and one of their justifications, of course, because they cop a lot of flack for sitting on all of this, is that, well, the... Um, the article that he presented, not sorry, not the article, it was a, a report then, the report that he presented to us in the form, we couldn't actually pass it and he had no women on record and obviously there's a lot of back and forth. He disagrees with that. They're adamant and so forth. Um, so that's how it happened. So he publishes it with the New York, um, the New Yorker um, and immediately the floodgates open. You have even more sources coming out. Um, he wins the prize or the New Yorker wins the prize with him listed as a contributor. And that sort of spurs him on because he continues even more investigations into other media companies because it's not just the one company. It's everywhere. And there are so many people involved in it. It's amazing. When you read the book, you realize how many people go into – because this – didn't happen to one person it happened to countless women over decades and it's not just one person of course one person did commit a lot of horrible acts but there are a lot of people or a lot of perpetrators of this sort of you know um abusive behavior and absolutely a, and, and the amazing thing is a lot goes into covering it up there's not one person covering it up or one organization covering up it's this whole network of people covering up and he finds that out when he's doing the investigation like you've got publishers of newspapers right um sort of suppressing stories when they come up um uh you know blackmail uh, sources are blackmailed for tips um people are bribed into publishing damaging stories to discredit you know uh, the accusers there are these punitive sort of um ndas like non-disclosure agreements where they can't talk about what happened to them um, you know, if there's a model who's made an accusation, then suddenly photos of her in lingerie are published to sort of imply, like imply that perhaps she's not as, which is an absurd argument, but, you know, sort of to cast doubts on her, on her innocence. or To discredit which is abs- those sources. Exactly. Um, there's also, you've got politicians who are connected to a lot of these people and the, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the impact that has. You've got lawyers who are connected to these people, lawyers who have, in this case, there was a lawyer who had previously defended a lot of abuse survivors. She was putting forward her services to Harvey Weinstein, I think. That's and, right. And yeah, she was, was that Lisa Bloom? Oh, yeah, and she was... Yep. Or, yeah, something blue. And she was quoted... But she also turns up in... Yes, exactly. She, said. she was in art, my book as well. And she, I think she said something that, um, oh, I could give my services and so forth. Um, I think she said precisely because I've defended them. I'm like, wow, that is that is amazing. Like, she's since apologised, but to it's amazing that she said that. That um, was outrageous, wasn't it? Wow, yeah. So discredited. Oh, that, my gosh, yes. That um, lawyer. So you've got that. Um, there was someone who had, like, a um, someone who was abused whose therapist was a producer in a Weinstein movie. It is so amazingly incestuous this whole network of very entangled oh my gosh yes and all those people in different ways put pressure on i'm guessing on your journalists as well but on ronan when he was doing very and very similar road that they both walked every single like every every way they turned they would Mm. be someone who would be putting pressure on them people they had previously had a lot of support and like support from and respectful and those people were because they were all entangled because he has a vast network of, you know, friends and acquaintances and people, you know, who owe him favours and stuff. So it's exactly for those women to I, I'm I'm not surprised that they couldn't have spoken up before then. Um, so, yeah, so the book is really interesting. I love how it 
it charts that sort of the, what goes into publishing a story or creating a story. I had no idea chasing sources back for the emotional toll in him. I mean, I gave you that um, the personal touch before with the the story with Jonathan, his his fiance, but that is part of like the emotional toll on these journalists who who are making an effort, not to mention the the great emotional upheaval faced by all the victims who have to almost relive that oh, trauma. Indeed, yes. Um, you've got, you know, uh, I think you mentioned a few actresses. In this case, Rose McGowan, McGowan obviously, she is one of the, the people mentioned here. Um, she had, uh, there's, I think there was something to do with Black Cube, which is a former Mossad um, operative, company it's a private company yeah, also yeah. mentioned in she said yeah apparently yeah. they had one of their people who was um who befriended rose mcgowan as was and was feeding information back um they also hired people who were um actually trying to um follow well they actually did follow ronan farrow and then one of them leaked information to ronan farrow so it was crazy um I guess yeah, look, it's almost absurd. Like, you couldn't make this up. It's something out of a movie. <laughs> I was, it was basically every dirty trick in the book Michael, to try and shut down this story. Yeah, but um, seriously, if I wouldn't have thought it was, like, true if I just read it anywhere <laughs> else because it just seems, like, it seems so far-fetched. All these, like, colourful elements, like, involved in this, this whole story. Yeah. Um, and I should say the title Catch and Kill actually um, is a phrase... That refers to the fact that you get, I think you you um, you get a story, a damaging story, and then you kill it, and that's how um, you know because you're doing a favor for a f- for someone who's friendly to the uh, media organizations, yeah, yeah. friends. Um, so because a lot of the media organizations in the U.S. have been discredited, the really powerful ones, you know, in television, um, for you know, sort of. Um, condoning or at least turning a blind eye to predators that uh, powerful men usually that were in their employ um, and certainly not this one producer there's there's a whole array of powerful people who just felt they were above the law yeah and above and above society's you know sort of cond- condemnation condemnation yeah exactly yeah just didn't care yeah. but i mean are these are two classic novels oh, yeah. about speaking well, truth non-fiction to books, power yeah 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 uh, i mean non-fiction books exactly and and, uh, and the subject material i think is it's serious and i know there's a lot we hear about uh me too um but it, the books i know it seems it sounds weird to say you can enjoy them but you will enjoy reading about like the process because they are thrilling at least my one was kind of thrilling and their lovely personal touches but it also really gives you an idea of what these people went through mm. um or at least a fraction of the idea of what they went through so you feel like you learn more about the topic yeah it's a real but you journey also enjoy yeah it's yeah. you know what this i think would be well it could easily be adapted into a movie mm. i reckon at least my book yeah. It'd make a good movie. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, that's exactly what does happen. So, yeah, sort of um, speaking truth to power, definitely books, um, non-fiction books, as you oh, said, yeah. Nissa, that need to be um, written. And, of course, you know, and they're acknowledged and, and now these people are fated and they've received a Pulitzer Prize. So yes, good for them. Absolutely. Anyway, look, everybody, read these books yeah. and enjoy. Yeah, definitely. Um 
you won't be disappointed, I think. And they're both very new, so very topical as yeah. well. Um, if you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, um, you can check out our blog, uh, which has this podcast embedded in it. You could go to iTunes where you'll find Power Up Pods. You can also download the Podbean app and access the podcast that way. We'll talk to you next time with another interesting topic about some books that we have in the library. See ya. Absolutely. Bye. The material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker who do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast. <laughs>